Hey, Joel, how's it going? Dude, our podcast totally rocks. Oh, my. Can you hear this background music? Wait, wait. Can you not hear me? Hold on. Let me fix the problem. Let me fix the fancy. You hear that? Dude, this is the greatest podcast in the history of the world. Now, what is that? It's on it's you, Good afternoon. My name is David Riley, and with me today is my co-host, Joel White. Can you really say good afternoon? You don't even know what time they're listening to this. I got a bank on afternoon. Okay. It's the longest part of the day. Maybe it's just the most broadly defined. Whatever works. Joel okay. White, chronologist. <laughs> Sweet. That's a new one. I'm going to get a badge. Had all things went well today, the two of us would have been enjoying delicious Taco Bell in the comfort of City Line Avenue. But as is usually the case, City Line Avenue's game stores did not have our game of choice. We like obscure games that no one will buy. Not even when they change the name. But that's a story for a later time. Ooh. So off again to Springfield's Best Buy where we, Joel suggested we make a foray down to South Philly, which is a much closer location, but as I told him, it's not closer to a Taco Bell. The proximity of the Taco Bell to the Best Buy is really the only reason we ever go to that one. It's an ugly, ugly town, and Taco Bell had an ugly, ugly line. It was, what was even... What was really bizarre about it, and I think what was, you know, they say how beauty is based in proportion. So everything, you look at something that's beautiful and it just makes sense to your eyes, so you think it's beautiful. That's what made the line so ugly. Nothing made sense, because we were standing in the back of what we considered the line, but it was really everyone who had just ordered before us and was waiting. So no one was really ordering, they were just waiting for their food. So the line didn't make any sense? Nobody saw over. fit to tell us that for about ten minutes, though. Yeah, I had to eventually ask. After we were just standing there behind people. I guess we were looking at the menu. Yeah, maybe. It's tough to decide. They got all those burritos. Yeah, it's not like the freaking periodic table. How could I stare at it for more than five minutes and not garner the information I'm There are people that for? do that. Like, especially that used to go into McDonald's at, like, breakfast when they had, like, three breakfast items. <laughs> And just stare. And, like, you'd be the one behind him in line. And be like, it's sausage, egg, and cheese, or bacon. <laughs> Dude, they had pancakes, too. Yeah, they did. In those styrofoam containers. I think you were really... They just stared at him because they were so confounded that last time they were at McDonald's, the thing they ate looked nothing like the picture. But does it ever? No. If the Taco Bell is going to have... As many people on staff as they did, and as many people in the line as they did, I think they need to start redefining what the term fast food means. It did take about, I mean, we could have sat down at a restaurant. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You and I have eaten faster at sit-down restaurants. Although it is true that we inhale our food regardless, so as soon as this place in front of us is gone. Yeah, I was uh, relating to Joel how my coworker noticed that I have an irresponsibly fast speed of eating. But I never knew this because all my friends are apparently gluttons. So I just thought we were all normal. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he only eats with me. And I don't think I've, I chew. It's kind of like food gets digested in a sort of muscly pouch somewhere <laughs> on the way to the stomach. Because I don't like... I know that I'm... I, it's probably just not healthy. I mean, they say you're supposed to chew your food 500 times because it makes it easier to digest. I think it's 32 times. What also is yeah, not healthy... Yeah, is a lot. ...is... Eating six dollars worth of Taco Bell food. Wow. Because that's a lot of food. 
It's also like six dollars worth of food that will give you the worst gas you've ever had in your life. Yeah, you don't have to tell me. Not even in terms of like quantity, but just like one terrible fart. I was at ground zero. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised the couch didn't melt. (laughs) If only it could, we could have collected on the sweet insurance. For your couch? We don't have renter's insurance. (laughs) Neither do we. Anyway. Speaking of insurance and contracts in general... This past Sunday was Zentricon, Philadelphia's premier anime convention in University City, at a venue more known for its punk shows and indie movie screenings, the Rotunda. Now, Scabs and I were excited to go here because at $12 a table, it was basically free to promote our comic. So, you know, we did that thing, handed out flyers for uh, a party we're having later that night because it's been our tradition that... When we attend one of these conventions, we throw a big party and get as many idiots to come as we can and then end up regretting it later because we don't meet anyone cool. Well... Or get kicked out of our hotel room. Well, that happens too. This year, we did meet people cool. In fact, the only people that came were the cool people. Albeit there were only four of them. But still, I'd rather have four cool people than one cool people. One cool people? Like a tribe of cool people? (laughs) Like those Israelites. They were cool people. Rather than one cool person, thank you, Joel. Oh! And 30 uncool people, some of which have not bathed their entire lives. Well, I would say that the party was a smashing success, despite the fact that our fridge is filled with beer, so full, in fact, that we have to precariously balance everything else on the sideways beer bottles, like some sort of disgusting Egyptian beer pyramid. It's kind of sad how the milk sits there. <laughs> it's all alone in a, a valley between Yingling Porter and Yingling Lager. <laughs> uh, our con experience was to be unfairly soured, though. When I returned from work Monday afternoon, I had a very irate message on my phone from a man who we could kindly describe as ineloquent. <laughs> The gist of it was, apparently our our flyer constituted a breach of contract because we didn't pay him for advertising, even though there's nothing in the flyer that's, or nothing in the contract that says you can't hand out a flyer, his definition of advertising is spurious at best because, frankly, a free party, in my mind, hardly constitutes ads. Well, what doesn't make any sense is that you... You bought a table, the exclusive purpose of which was to advertise your comic. So you basically paid for advertising space at the convention when you buy the table. Well, what's even better is for the seven hours we were there, nobody saw fit to say, hey, don't do this. Because, as we later found out, none of the other con management cared. That didn't stop him from threatening us with small claims court. For $105. That's... I make about $95 a day at my job. My job's not that great. But I still... That's how much I make. I make a similar amount. It's $10 more than a day's worth of work. So instead of suing you, he could just go to work. And basically... I mean, he wouldn't recoup his losses. But it would work out to zero in the end anyway. Because you don't get paid for a day in court. Uh, In fact, it would be only detrimental to him. Because I'd have to say four things to the judge. Nothing on the contract about flyers, vague definition of advertising, no agreement between con management, 
and uh, nobody approached me at the convention. And then I would play his phone messages, the second of which bordered on extortion, where he told me he would report me to the venue unless I gave him $500 to make it all go away. Did he really say 500 Oh, sorry. 105 Wow. I was about to say, that was a jump of 400%. Well, then I'd really, I'd shit, I'd go sue him. <laughs> what for? I'm not sure. <laughs> Anyway, we probably shouldn't talk about this since it could be a pending lawsuit. Well, actually, uh, once this is over, I'm going to call the woman, who is the co-chair for the con, who has been nothing but nice to me, and hopefully that'll be the end of that. Uh, I received an email from her today, which basically said that Chucky Boy ain't sticking around for next EntraCon. Apparently, I am not the only complainant. And, uh, frankly, with this guy's phone manner, I ain't surprised. You know... I'm not the most sensitive fella in the world, but I don't particularly care to be told that I outright lied to someone who can't string together seven words in English without stuttering. So maybe the next time you want to know what we're selling, don't ask me like this. No, well, uh, what are you going to have put on your table, and what merchandise will you be pro offering to? Our people. Dave, we totally need to edit this part out. It's getting too mean. <laughs> I I bear no ill will to anyone at Zentricon, but this one man <laughs> who treated me like shit. Okay. On to bigger and better things. Colossally bigger things. And wandafrisously better. That was our greatest segue ever. Nice. <laughs> one in the classes. Or Shadow of the Colossus. That name sucks. Never say it around me again. Joel doesn't seem to understand the basic tenements of marketing. And while I do agree that Juan and the Colossus is a much better name, you know, if Shadow of the Colossus, Colossus makes it sell better, I'm all for it. Because that means these guys are going to get to make a third game. But I don't... I just think it's not going to help them that much because Shadow of the Colossus sounds better. But it, I don't... I just don't think it's... You know, I don't buy a game because of the name. But... You're not in the norm there. It's like how anime fa fans think that being subtitled is the most important thing in the world and, like, a poorly translated subtitle track is a crime against humanity. Here's a news tip. They don't care. Think about it this way. A subtitle track requires one, maybe two employees. A dub track requires a whole hell of a lot more. Because in addition to the actors, you need timers, you need ADR directors. So obviously, what's our conclusion? The dub costs more. But you don't hear dub fans complaining about anything. See, Joe, we're the small but vocal minority. <laughs> what do you mean vocal? This is the first time we've ever voiced our opinion in well, a public forum about this. This is the, But it's the same basic <laughs> idea. There are these sub fans crying about things, but they're not the big picture. They're like 1% of everybody. Uh, okay. There's a lot of people that walk into these game stores and they'll see a box that says Shadow of the Colossus with a cool-looking shadowy figure on it and they'll buy it. Now, regardless, they'll probably return it the next day because it's not Grand Theft Auto V. <laughs> uh, that would be totally sweet. But uh, the sale still counts because all that matters is the initial purchase. And we need more initial purchases. Because ICO was awesome and, frankly... That it took these guys four years to put out another game, 
I don't want to have it. Uh, I want the next one in two. <laughs> uh, two days? Two. Uh, well, not two days, because it's going to take me longer to beat one in the Colossus. But uh, <laughs> let's let's call it seven. Seven or eight days. I love it how we persist in calling it Wanda and the Colossus, even though we bought the game today with the words Shadow of the Colossus printed on the cover. Buying the game was not an easy experience. It was thanks to Joel's keen sense of... Uh, Actually, it was because I saw Fire Emblem on a shelf and I was immediately attracted to it. Joel moves like a moth to Game Boy strategy games. Fire Emblem's for the GameCube. It's even better. That's right. That's the new one. But I do, uh, I do play the Fire Emblem for Game, game Boy. Whether it was his lust for Fire Emblem or his curious hidden desire for new Rockstar release, The Warriors, based on the equally crappy 1970s movie. There were like three other games on that shelf I would have bought before I bought the, the, whatever that one was. Not like it matters. (laughs) The point is, Shadow of the Colossus was spirited away in some weird-ass corner. It didn't even make sense. It was nowhere near the game section. You had to walk through the DVDs. To get to the place where Shadow of the It Colossus was almost set up like it was supposed to be an impulse buy, but it was the it was all the it wasn't even all new releases because Doom Three was on the same shelf. And Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden Black. Yeah. Oh, that's a new release. Yeah. I mean, but Jade Empire. Yeah, that's Jade Empire. I think it was just put there to like tempt me and Dave because we've been fooled by Doom Three before because they uh, we rented it and it didn't have co-op. I think we talked about that in the podcast. Um. There was Jade Empire on it, which we've talked about buying several times, because it looks kind of fun. Fire Emblem, <laughs> Ninja Gaiden Black, and Shadow of the Colossus. They were just trying to get, what's that, $250 out of us? And then we think that all the rest of the games on the shelf were good, and we'd buy the Warriors. That would never happen. Take that, Rockstar. I swear, that was like, that movie was terrible. And I can't imagine the game, made by Rockstar, a company I'm not particularly fond of, is going to be any better. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, The Warrior has a certain kitsch charm. I guess I like the gang leader in the beginning. It's the same reason... You watch The Warriors for the same reason you watch any of the uh, Death Wish movies. They're all awful. But when Charles Bronson shoots that guy that snatches the person in the back, I'm edified. All I gotta say is there ain't no Charles Bronson in The Warriors. And really, what's the crossover between Xbox owners and people who have seen The Warriors? It's like... Me and you and Bear. <laughs> Actually, I have, a room, I, have a, I had a roommate in college who had seen it, and his brother bought the movie. Bear bought the movie. I, I don't know why. Anyway, Wanda and the Colossus is unbelievable. It's, I didn't even play it because it's a one-player game, but just sitting there watching Dave play it was really exciting. Uh, I'm I th- a loser. I think part of it's that being primed from Ico... You're ready for what Wanda and Colossus brings to the table. It's very minimalist. It doesn't have the super great graphics, so they are a step up from Ico. And it's good, clean, giant chopping up fun. Very little of which was actually contained in Ico. Are are you sure it's Ico? Uh, I'm going to go with Ico. Ico may be an alternate pronunciation, but uh, what have those Japanese ever done for me? I think I'm going to pronounce it Stacy. Just because I have no idea. Nice. Well, Stacy was a pretty good game. I loved it. Lack of couches in uh, Wanda and the Colossus as a saving device 
not a high point, but uh. Did you ever notice how Ico when you sat down, or I mean Stacy? <laughs> you ever notice how Stacy you you kind of pat the couch? I feel right. like it's, it's kind of like it's that, that awkward moment in thirteen where you sit down and you hope the girl sits next to you. Yeah, but then, you're not too sure. Then so. you kind of like you leave your arm there to see if like her if leg she'll will sit on it. Yes. <laughs> Because that would be totally hot when you're 13. I just got a boner. Dave, I'm the only person sitting next to you. Oh, oh my god. I've got to go! Oh my god. Anyway. Podcast is canceled. we got to go. <laughs> the other thing that persists from Stacy is the uh, the um, the weird language that they just make up. Well, I think it's easier just to make up your own crap. Maybe it's like a Tolkien thing. He made up his own language. I think it's so they don't have to worry about like dubbing it into English and Japanese or feel like someone's getting ripped off because everyone's confused. That's cool. I don't really care. I'm a big boy and I know how to read. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not I'm kind of complaining about it. I just think it's funny. But I'm also thinking I'm more blah blah blah. But I also think I'm more accepting of the idea since I played Panzer Dragoon Orta, which also had the same oh, thing. But going that on. made up language was so awesome, dude. That whole game was awesome. Yeah, it was. In fact, every game should have a made-up language because it would jump four points just for being associated with these two games. Three, these three games. Yes, Stacy, Panzer Dragoon Orta, and Wanda and the Colossus. Two of which I pronounced wrong. Not wait. You be the judge. <laughs> what makes Wanda and the Colossus spectacular is that it adds in everything Ico left out. So far, the whole game seems to be just one big boss battle. While I enjoyed the tranquility and zen-like charm of Ico, I don't think my life is really fulfilled until I shoot a giant stone bull monster in the hoof and then climb up his back and stab him in the head like 50 times. <laughs> and then circle around to stab him in the butt just to kill him. I'm glad in human, in human beings there's no vital organs in the butt. <laughs> that well, would just be bad. It is your biggest muscle, though. Well, yeah, but if someone stabs me in the ass, it's not like my brain's going to stop working. Unless it hurts a lot. Well, Joe, I guess he just reached the critical point. Frankly, Joe, after the stuff you let out tonight, I ain't nobody <laughs> going near your butt. I would totally melt the ancient sword of light emission. With but, my gaseous emissions. But really, uh, so far the game combines uh, the puzzling aspects of Ico with giant bosses. And if you're any kind of a shooter fan, which I most assuredly am, the whole game is about getting to the giant boss level. The giant boss level, if you're not familiar, is a level that is exclusively a giant boss. <laughs> it is pretty sweet. I think Frequ it's in every one. Frequently the last level, sometimes middle parts. Panzer Dragoon Orta had a giant boss level. That was In fact, it had two. Cause, well, it had one with the ten Yeah, you blow up the ten chips. Oh, that no, that one. Yeah, okay. But there's also one where you were... It wasn't a giant... Well... I mean, there wasn't a giant boss level. The well, tunnel. There too, but there's also that one level where you were blowing up the entire fleet while you're going to oh, the boss. Oh, that level was... That that's my was favorite sweet. level. I love blowing up those ships. There are actually a couple... Um, I think Otogi, too, and Otogi have a couple giant boss levels. There's well, Otogi, Otogi has that great one where you fight the guy who's chained to the wall. Yes. God. That one was... That was near the end of the game. That one was so good. There are actually a couple in Otogi because there's that one, there's the centipede. The uh, Hydra. In fact, maybe that's why we like Otogi so much, because it basically is the same thing as this game. Giant bosses. Minimalist. <laughs> yeah. Kind of supernatural. But really, I mean, the first boss you go up to, you run up to the guy, jump on his leg, stab him in the kneecap, and then proceed on a frantic climb up his back 
so you can gank him in the head. It's really incredible how the uh, the bosses function as parts of the terrain once you're on them. The way the camera angle moves and the way they move. Oh, uh, it's it's the closest thing you're going to get to a theatrical experience in a video game. I mean, forget Indigo Prophecy. And Metal Gear Solid 2. Well. Because that was like the cutscene was a cinematic <laughs> experience. This is the actual game. We'll call Metal Gear Solid 2 Istar. It's really long, really overwrought, and serves no purpose but stroking its creator's own ego. Nice. As for Indigo Prophecy, it's the one you wanted to make it there, but just couldn't quite pull it out. Say, uh, Escape from L.A. You wanted it to be as good as Escape from New York, but it just couldn't go the distance. And at the end, it got really freaky and dumb. Yeah, I don't... I need my, uh, like, post-apocalyptic aristocratic reference to be shouted by a president who just mowed someone down with an M16. Word up. You're the Duke of New York, A number one. Why did the president have a British accent? accent? Yeah, I didn't get that at all. Whatever. And... One in the Colossus is in a category all of its own. It's got the production values of a Jerry Bruckheimer film without being crap. <laughs> it's, it's true, although I could really go for some orange fire. Like the orangest fire I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, but re- once you jump on one of those Colossi, you will not be able to restrain yourself from screaming. Holy crap, this is sweet. <laughs> I think I actually said that. All I said was, oh snap, over and over again, (laughs) frequently punctuated by the knife going into his head. And then I punched Jerry right in the face. God, I was so excited, I just jumped up and (laughs) cocked him in the mouth. Also, Wanda in the Colossus has little things that make you excited to play it, like beating the crap out of your, like, poor horse. I was doing it before I knew it was what you were supposed to do. (laughs) You were turning that thing into dog food. But as it turns out, you have to keep beating the horse or he slows down. So for those who like to mash buttons, you'll find a good friend in Mr. X Button. <laughs> it's kind of sad. I don't know. I feel like uh, this it's like a black eye that this, uh, this game encourages the abuse of our horse friends. I'm willing to overlook it because the soundtrack is spectacular. Yeah, it is really good. No complaints against Ico's soundtrack. It's just the game had like two songs. <laughs> Already, this game has had, like, three... Yeah, and they are hot. When you get on that Colossus, you won't want to get off. (laughs) Dude, I hope all the Colossus are just really ugly female Colossus, or that is totally gay. Weak. But that's how it goes. The only only thing I didn't really like about the game is how they they have... you, You hold up your sword to find the direction of the Colossi, which isn't bad. But then you also hold it up, and it shows you the weakness of each one. And I just feel like it'd be better if you just had to scramble around and try different things. Which would be exciting, but it's not as bad as Joel might make it out to be. Um, there's still a fair bit of figuring it out. Uh, with the giant bull colossus, you had to figure out that running under his feet and trying to stab the bottom of them, probably not the best idea. But if you pull out the bow, well then you're cooking with gas. Spoiler! Alright, anyway... There's other things we did tonight that we didn't have so much fun with. As I reminded Joel last week, we watched a whole lot of anime that we liked in the past few weeks, and uh, Grappler Baki's predecessor, or successor as it is, isn't going to sit around forever. So with the return of the crap anime comes Mezzo Forte. Now Mezzo Forte oh is created by 
noted anime creator and hentai artist Yasumi Yasuomi. Now Mezzoforte. Why did you version Bujabija? It's Yasuomi Umetsu. The reason I'm confused Yasuomi Umetsu. I always get him confused with the guy who did the Final Fantasy soundtracks. Oh uh, yeah. Which I believe is Uematsu. But uh that guy's alright, he doesn't draw the porn. You'll notice a difference in Mezzo, as the TV show is called. It had a predecessor, Mezzo Forte, the OVA, which contained giant penises, as uh, Mr. Umetsu is wont to do. I don't remember that. Mezzo, the TV, contains a surprisingly little amount of child rape. <laughs> but we only watched two episodes. So it's a step up from Kite in that regard. But that's pretty much it. I think I, I think we should start by saying that we didn't really watch the entire DVD. We only watched two episodes of a five-episode DVD. Well, that was always my plan. Um, because really, 125 minutes? Who are you fooling? Halfway through the second episode, Jerry was showing us cat pictures. <laughs> which, by the way, were hilarious. <laughs> At least better than that show. I don't even know if they were really that funny or if it was just uh Our expectations were to, set uh, so low. Say, yeah. I absolutely agree. Because what other show can have some retarded crap where the barber is the leader of some evil crime syndicate and he cuts people's noses off for no reason? See, even before we got to that point, I had written the show off entirely just based on the cover of the the DVD case. And also the menu. Yeah, they both had just really bad shots. Like they, It was just like poor decision. It was obviously made to be like, ooh, look at this girl. And it, she's only 14. It's Lolita-licious. She's like know. 16 tubs. Whatever. It's totally lame. The show just doesn't make any sense. It starts you out in the middle of these things, which is a workable motif, as long as you don't get it wrong, which they did. So all of a sudden, there's freaking ninjas bouncing around the screen, and then there's a pink-haired girl who's like, Hey guys, what's up? And then they're chasing after a vial of fluid, which is designed like a barber's pole. Yeah, it doesn't... It's just... Yeah, even after you make it past how crappy the cover was, the show basically shoots itself in the foot from the get-go because it just introduces this flood of unbelievable things and doesn't explain any of them. Well, yeah, my personal favorite is within the first five minutes, a 12-year-old girl has been thrown out a window and then super pink-haired 16-year-old girl sex idol repels down a wall... Or not even a wall, like the opening... Yeah, drops... I don't even know what you call those. Like Slides down a rope. Around an atrium. Down a mine shaft. <laughs> it's in a building. It's not a mine shaft. Somehow manages to hit the ground before the girl she threw out of the window. So, hello, theory of gravity. Well, maybe it's because her trajectory was straight and she threw the girl out. Well, maybe the girl was waving her arms around to See, increase the air is, resistance. That doesn't even make sense because gravity is still... Uh, it would take her the same amount of time to hit the ground even if she was thrown out. I remember my physics. If you drop a ball and shoot it, it hits the ground at the same time. So I hear. This is only exacerbated at the end of the episode when, while hanging from a beam facing certain death, the heroine thinks it prudent to drop off the beam and place a well-aimed shot at a gas main. The resulting explosion blows her to safety. Through a window. And also the guy she was trying to save. Neither one of them has a scratch. Yes, Jerry noted that this show 
has every character come equipped with some sort of anti-debris aura. <laughs> because nobody seems to care, and everything blows up. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's part of the problem. Like, if she were an android, like, or had some kind of, like, mystical enhancements... See, this is also the problem. They've created an anime that kind of functions on the same lines of a ghost-in-the-shell type character with a girl who can just totally kick ass... But then they also have ghosts, and they don't explain why the girl can kick butt. She's just really good, and there's people, like, punching through walls and things. And it's like, are they just really poorly constructed walls? Is that why the teenage girl is able to kick that guy through the pillar? Or is she somehow, like, mystically enabled? Maybe they explain that in episode three. I'm not going that far. I'm not going to stick around to find <laughs> out. <laughs> but, yeah, out of nowhere, supernatural. You know, you see this ghost girl at the end of the episode, and... I wasn't paying too much attention, so I kind of thought she was just talking to the guy who was trying to avenge her death. But no, everybody could see her. And they're all talking to her. And apparently she hired them to get the scientists. Yeah, and apparently she paid in, uh, what is that, ghost doubloons. 159,000 ghost doubloons. Which I, imagined, which I imagine would immediately dematerialize once she herself dematerialized. Which is the fortunate consequence of being a member of the DSA organization. You never get paid. Yeah, which is weird because they constantly talk about money. It's like Cowboy Bebop, except without the joke that they actually try to get paid. These people just seem to, like, throw it to the wind. It's like, hey, it doesn't matter that we just risked our life fighting some demon wizard that was going to make it rain all over the world because everything turned out great, but we don't have any money to buy food or pay the rent. And this little girl is eating, like, a thousand sticks of Pocky, and I just, I wanted to jump out a window. I had to stop him. Okay. But, really, the closer was the delightful showing of Cameltoe in the show's ending theme. Yeah, it was literally the closer. It's the last thing you see about this show. Nothing like the realization that should you watch this DVD to its fullest extent, you will have to deal with a 16-year-old girl's vagina five times in a row. And what's really inappropriate, in, well, this is why the show is so confusing, because there's no continuity between anything. The lack of explanation sort of compounds with just unbelievable circumstances to... Whatever, edit that out. Yeah. But yeah, there's no... There's no there's no continuity in the show because the camel toe that's at the end isn't part of like a broader fan service theme that runs throughout the show. It's just sort of there in the there's also scenes in the beginning where she's like flopping around like girls in anime frequently do. But it's not it that doesn't continue throughout the show. You know what I'm saying? Like the regular show during it, like there's no fan service. Yeah. You just at the beginning and the end, you're just kinda like what? I mean, I would still say the show is crappy, but at least it would be consistently crappy. Yeah, like, now it's just not even trying. It just shotguns, like, five or six genres at you, and it's like, I hope you like one of these, but we didn't do it too well, so I gotta go. Thanks for the money. Yeah, like, when I saw the first action scene, like, Jerry was talking about it like it was the stupidest thing ever. And it's actually pretty sweet. Like, you'll get kind of excited about the show if you watch that. But then, like, the rest of the show makes you see it as lame because everything is stupid and nothing makes sense. So, like, the cool action scene gets interpreted in light of what you've seen and becomes crappy. So I guess if you want to watch Mezzo Forte, maybe you should only watch, like, the first two or three minutes. But, uh, I'm going to say that that two or three minutes will be better spent on the internet downloading trailers for Wanda and the Colossus. Definitely. Or, 
if you want to go with my favorite part of the show, the opening and ending themes are spectacular, bar none, which is the delightful music you heard at the beginning of the podcast, which is now going to be our consistent opening theme. I think we need to explain that a little, what was going on. Yeah, you know, as we usually do around here, I was trying to go for the ironic lilt. (laughs) So, I was explaining to Joel that I am wicked tired of listening to these podcasts with these crappy post-production values, not to say that ours doesn't have them, but at least we use a semi-respectable editing program. And we just approach it with general humility. We yeah. know, like, that something we do could suck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. But these people come out, and they're like, Oh, I gotta cue up my background music, guys. You think that you're real cool? It's my background music. And it's not even post-produced. They're just playing it on freaking Winamp. And it sounds like crap. Sometimes they'll just record it from the speakers. The mic isn't even facing the speakers. <laughs> so why bother? And the other thing that pisses me off about podcasts, you, you might have noticed that when I started banging together those two frying pans. People don't seem to understand that you can edit these things. It ain't live. <laughs> so if your cat's meowing, go take care of your cat and come back and edit it out. Because you know what? I have ten cats. But you never know. Because they ain't in the freaking show. You don't actually have any cats. You really just have Jerry playing Battlefield and shouting obscenities in the background. Yeah, we don't even bother editing that out. I think it's in podcast two. If you listen real close about three quarters of the way through, you hear him shout. Uh, It's in more than just the one. Jerry (laughs) has a cell phone that rings like a cat's meow. Anyway, Mezzoforte sucks. But if you want good games, play Stacy... Wanda and the Colossus. And what was the other one? Panzer Dragoon Orta? Yes. It's really long, really overwrought, and serves no real purpose but stroking its color. It... Oh my gosh! What are, you to say? what are you trying to say? Practice it now. Well, what practice? The mic is running. <laughs> we can edit it out. Just say it.